This is South Vietnam's first international rock festival. It did not come to this war-weary country without controversy, but the fact it's here at all underlines the lust of the urban youth here to join with other youths across the world in enjoying the freedom, even the license, of the youth culture. That was from a US television news report way back in 1971 reporting on what was then South Vietnam's first international rock festival at the Saigon Zoo on May 29 of that year at the height of the Vietnam War. It's hard to believe, isn't it? But at the time, in Vietnam, at least in the south in cities like Saigon, there was a healthy rock music scene that had been influenced by the French in the 50s and later the Americans in the 60s and 70s during the war years. So what happened to it? In this episode, I go on a mission to find out more about Vietnam's turbulent rock and pop music history and learn why the former Saigon, now known as Ho Chi Minh City, no longer has a vibrant rock music scene. Hi, I'm Matt. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Ticket to Ride. Let's rock on. That was the introduction from Gonyo Dem Now, or Remember the Night, the first track off the brilliant album by Fung Tam, Magical Nights, Saigon Surf, Twist and Soul from 1964 to 1966, a retrospective album that may never have seen the light of day had it not been for the singer's daughter, who in early 2020 learned that her mother, Fung Tam, now living in the United States and in her 70s, had once been a famous singer, performer, and recording artists during Saigon's heady music scene of the early 1960s. According to the producers of the album, Mark Gerges and Hannah Ha, Fung Tam's daughter, there had been mention within Fung Tam's family over the years that she may have indeed been a singer at the time. Little did they know how big she actually had been and the extent of her discography until they delved into her secret but illustrious past, a past that Fung Tam herself, it seems, thought wasn't worthy of telling anyone about. But thanks to her daughter's persistence and generous help from some friends and experts, an important piece of Saigon's music history has now been documented. That was Fung Tam again, this time with Andao Em Do from 1966, which kind of translates to wherever you are, I'm there. So it turns out Fung Tam actually had a prolific, albeit short, career between 1964 to 1966 when she recorded almost 30 tracks. It's possible that there may even be more, which were released by the three main record companies of the time in Saigon. But it's not like collectors over the years have been able to just walk into a music store or browse online to find and purchase tracks like these. Due to a lack of master tapes and documentation pre-1975, and along with a scarcity of records and tapes that survived the war, it meant that not just Fung Tam's music, but most music of the era between the years 1964 and 1975, 
often referred to as the golden age of Vietnamese music in the South, just simply didn't exist anymore, had gone missing, and therefore hadn't been catalogued or made accessible to the public. Nevertheless, fast forward a few decades, the monumental task of determining the actual extent of Phung Tham's discography got underway by a small group of people, two of whom I've already mentioned, music producer Mark Gerges and Phung Tham's daughter Hannah Ha, in search of tracks that, one, may not have even existed, and two, if found, would need restoring and remastering, if at all possible. Someone who's followed the story of Phung Tham closely is Australian journalist Sheila Notfam, who wrote a brilliant article for The Guardian in 2021 called Do the Saigon Twist, Meet Phung Tham, Vietnam's First Rock and Roll Star. Her article has helped guide my own research for this podcast, including her equally impressive appearance on a podcast on the ABC Australia's Radio National website called Long Lost 1960s Vietnamese Rock Music, in which she elaborates on the incredible story of Phung Tham, her music, and its rediscovery and reissue. How I first heard about it was sometime, maybe late last, late last year, I got a message out of the blue from Mark Gerges, who's a producer who did a very um, famous kind of compilation called Saigon Rock and Soul. And I got in touch with him because, like, yeah, about 10 years ago, I produced a, a radio documentary looking at the history of rock music in Vietnam, um, including my own kind of uh, mother's involvement with the music as well. And that's how Mark and I connected, and I ended up meeting him in person as well um, when I got to the US where he was living at the time. But, um, yeah, but he got in touch out of the blue and said, oh, like, I'm working on a project. I think you'd be really interested. And it turns out that um, it was compiling the music of an early rock and roll singer in Vietnam from the early 60s, who, um, Phuong Dham, who had basically um, just sung for a short time and then had quit music quite early in the 60s. But the daughter of Phuong Dham, who had since who had never known her mother was a singer, like I hadn't known either her growing up. But then she, um, you know, she, she's a surgeon. Um, she lives in, um, in the U.S. where they ended up relocating. Well, she ended up kind of going on this search to look for her mother's, um, you know, past life as a singer. And then she ended up con- contacting Mark Jurgis and then asking him for help. And he agreed. And so, yeah, it ended up being this kind of like epic search for um, music that she had never known existed at all. And then trying to track it down um, was a kind of global search in the end because, they um, first of all she bought an album off eBay that there was a record going she bought it from France and then Mark reached out to all of his contacts so there are people like Jan Hagenkotter who's a German music producer who's also produced a couple of compilations now the Saigon Superstar compilations and then there are a few others too there's a DJ DJ in London like Gung Jung like he also is a collector um, of, of records from the 60s and 70s in Vietnam and so through all of these kinds of connections and, and various other ones that turned up as well they were able to basically compile pretty much the entire back catalogue of Fung Dham's recorded music career. And she herself had really not really seen most of these records either. Um, and so, yeah, it was like an incredible search over many, many months. This is during COVID as well. And, and I mean, another instrumental person was someone who lived in Vung um, named Adam Ferguson. And um, yeah, and he was just someone who was like, um, you know, I think they connected through Discogs or something. And um, he had a Fung Dham album and then... Through that connection, he ended up being Hannah Ha's her ears and eyes on the ground, like going to these like dusty old, uh, you know, mom and pop record shops and antique shops and that, looking for old records basically. And so that was that was another aspect to the search as well. So yeah, an incredible 
recovery, I think, of music that, you know, is otherwise we would have thought would have been lost already. earlier, the period in which Fung Tam's music comes from, 1964 to 1966, is sometimes referred to as the golden age of Vietnamese music in the South. So I asked Sheila what her thoughts were on this era of music, particularly in Saigon. Okay, well first of all, I'm not sure that I would call it that. <laughs> like, I, I wouldn't want to make that claim, that it's some kind of golden age. But it is a very interesting age, I think, in Vietnamese like, um, music history, because given the... Um, the context, you know, like, so this was during a time where, I mean, essentially this was like an era of civil war. I mean, Vietnam had been split into North Vietnam and South Vietnam. And the music in North Vietnam, I guess, had become really quite, I don't know the right word, maybe um, suppressed that the music scene there. But the South had a measure of freedom when it came to, you know, music that was played live as well as recorded. So, yeah, it was really flourishing. And, you know, Saigon, you know, the... And even now, I guess, when you compare, like, you know, Hanoi, which is, like, the kind of cultural capital, it's, like, an ancient city. It's more than a 1,000 years old. And Saigon is relatively um, new. It's only a couple hundred years old. Um, but it's more vi- vibrant. Um, and even now, like, in Vietnam, it's, like, the center of, like, nightlife and, and entertainment and that. And so um, during the 60s in Vietnam, I think that's also um, reflected in, you know, the kind of happening kind of, you know, nightlife clubbing scene done in downtown Saigon. And so I think because of the um, money that was pouring in from like, I guess that's by that stage, the Americans had arrived as well into Vietnam because of the war and, but also other kinds of foreigners. There was just a lot going on. I mean, there's a lot of commercial interest in Vietnam. So there's a lot of you know, opportunities as well for, for bands to play live music, which they did every night. There was a very lively kind of night kind of economy there. I mean, which is still the case now, but I think even back then it was like particularly quite strong with like live music and that. Yeah, and so I think there's just a lot of really kind of iconic um, music that really define kind of a whole generation. But, I mean, it's kind of not that different to, like, when you look at the West um, and the music of the same period, basically, from the 60s to 70s. I mean, those kinds of bands, whether it's, like, the Rolling Stones or the Beatles or whatever, like, they're still kind of got a lot of currency as, like, really defining what rock music was. So it's a kind of generational issue. It's not just that it was that particular period. I think this was a global time of massive change. And I think you can hear that in the music um, of not just Vietnam, but in many different countries as well, as I've since discovered, like lots of music was kind of generated in similar ways across Asia, even across like, you know, um, Europe and that too, um, even including in communist countries, which Vietnam would later become as well. In order to try and gain an even better understanding of what it was like for budding musicians of the time here in Saigon, I spoke to Jun Huai An, who was born in Saigon in 1969 and is the co-owner of long-running Yoko Cafe, a mainstay of live music venues here since 2000, and describes what it was like to try and find out information about musicians and bands prior to 1975. So we, we, we all grew up after the war. So after the war, there's no, many, no, no information left about the pre-war, about, about uh, before the war or within the war. And we, we just 
hear the story from the people tell us about that. At that time, we only know that uh, there's a lot of uh, good band, good rock band uh, playing in uh, in Saigon clubs, nightclub, and for the um, for the army club. That's all we know. That was Elvis Fung with Bai Ga Nong, the crazy song from Saigon Rock and Soul, Vietnamese classic tracks 1968 to 1974. It's said that rock music's beginnings basically coincided with Vietnam's partitioning into North and South in 1954. In fact, Elvis Presley's debut single, That's All Right, was released on July 19th while the Geneva Conference two days later recognised the 17th Parallel North as the demarcation line dividing the country into Communist North Vietnam and pro-Western South Vietnam just prior to the official end of the First Indochina War on August 1st. This new division in Vietnam led to an embargo on all Western entertainment in North Vietnam, but to the contrary, it paved the way for the entry of rock music into Vietnam through Saigon then the capital of what was then South Vietnam. And it was heard through what's been described as a French colonial filter. Students attending French high schools were exposed to what was happening musically in the French-speaking world, which in turn was also influenced by mostly British music of the time and some American music. But by and large, young Saigonese were singing rock songs with French lyrics, a style of pop music in France that was known as Yeah Yeah that emerged in the early 60s. Around this time, the earliest English language rock music in Vietnam was often performed by Filipino bands to entertain Americans and other foreigners in Saigon nightclubs. Not too unlike the Saigon of today where many live bands, at least pre-pandemic anyway, are from the Philippines. These groups, according to music researcher Jason Gibbs in his fascinating 2008 journal article called How Does Hanoi Rock? The Way to Rock and Roll in Vietnam, provided an example to the first Vietnamese musicians who eventually joined the ranks playing in bars and dance halls themselves. As a result, Vietnamese songwriters began writing Vietnamese language songs giving birth to a style of music that became known as Nhạc Dom or action music using dance rhythms like mashed potatoes, the dance move made famous by James Brown in 1959 and which had become a craze by 1962. There was also the Watuzi, the Go-Go, the Twist and Surf, all gracing Saigon dancehall floors. In fact, the twist, according to Gibbs, found itself at what he calls the vortex of South Vietnam's culture wars, thanks to the presidency of Ngo Dinh Diem between 1954 and 1963. Diem condemned and banned the twist as an affront to morality. 
Still, action music, so-called because of how it shocked at the beginning of the 60s and got the youth excited, was still incorporated into the music of the South's propaganda war machine and was used to write fun, light songs often depicting soldiers of the Republic of Vietnam in a dashing manner. Pretty soon, however, action music became passé for the next generation of students indulging in foreign music, partly because it became associated with the government's propaganda drives and mostly as a reaction to what was happening with more mainstream versions of rock. That kind of sounds familiar to me. I can remember emerging out of the 80s in my late teens and kicking long-haired rock and metal bands and anything considered too mainstream to the curb in favour of, you guessed it, grunge. Wow, what a time. Anyway, back in 1960s Saigon, the youth of the day replaced action music with something that became known as nakje, or youth music, which encompassed a much broader range of pop and rock. That was Gai Jam Em Gai by Carol Kim from Saigon Rock and Soul Vietnamese classic tracks 1968 to 1974. And what a cool track that is. But back to the story. Perhaps not surprisingly, when the Diem regime came to an end in the South in 1963 with his assassination, the shackles came off music censorship, giving the youth more freedom to discover and explore different styles of music. So by the time the American forces had fully come to town by about 1965, the scene was well and truly set for an explosion of new music to blast onto the scene. American GIs brought with them music on cassette tapes and, of course, wanted to be entertained in their free time. And with an energetic generation of young Vietnamese already familiar with American and English music, in addition to having the ability to play it for them, bands sprouted up all over the city and rocked out. Bands like the Fung Hoang Band, Crazy Dog, Shotguns, and of course the CBC Band became, and still are, synonymous with the period. Here's CBC's classic, Con Tim Van Nuk Mat, or Heart and Tears. And if you listen carefully, you can hear in the background what sounds like someone about to do a karate chop. It's super cool. Sheila Nopfam's brilliant podcast episode from 2012 called Saigon's Wartime Beat, she interviews Bic Luan, the lead singer of the CBC band, who in her time was widely compared alongside the likes of Janis Joplin as a singer and entertainer. The CBC band kicked off at the beginning of the 60s, right before the Americans landed in Saigon. Along with the other two band members, who were her brothers, they initially played only American songs for the Vietnamese. But when the US soldiers came to Vietnam, CBC then started playing for them. During the episode, which I highly recommend you listen to after this, Bic Luan explains how she and the band just copied whatever cassette tapes and requests the US soldiers gave them, 
and then they listened to them over and over again until they'd memorised them. Eventually, CBC became the highest paid band in Vietnam. Nothing to be sneezed at during an era of great bands in Vietnam and with a repertoire of no less than 100 songs. I asked Sheila what it was like as a rookie radio documentary maker interviewing the legendary CBC lead singer for Saigon's wartime beat. Um, yeah, well, I only interviewed her that one time, though. This was like, so this was for my documentary called Saigon's wartime beat, which I mentioned. And, you know, I mean, at the time, too, just to give a bit of context, like I, I was working at this Australian Broadcasting Corporation, so I was listening to ABC, and I'd never really made radio features before. Like, I listened to them a lot, actually, so I was quite a big fan of um you know, and, you know, a radio listener my whole life. And so I really liked these kinds of documentaries. I love documentaries about music as well. Um, and it was pretty ambitious of me to just pretty, pretty much go from almost zero experience in making radio to basically making like a, a four hour, like documentary program. And, um, yeah, it was, a, it was kind of a steep learning curve. But yeah, basically over the course of almost a year, essentially, I basically started to interview lots of different people. You know, that I had come across um, quite organically and also through my research as well. And so one of the people I ended up connecting with was um, Vic Wong from CBC Band. CBC band because of the Saigon Rock and Soul compilation that Mark Judges had um, put together. And um, yeah, so they're quite prominent in that, really rocking tracks, and obviously, you know, people love it when they hear it. And there is quite a lot of interesting stuff um, that's available about them on YouTube as well. So from the time, they were featured on, you know, um, American media reports and that as well. Because they were this kind of interesting band that started extremely young, kind of brothers and sisters, who just became really good at playing covers from a very young age. Like, they were, I don't know exactly now, but it's like 10, 11, 12, like very young. And they became very well-paid performers in the live music scene in Vietnam, in Saigon, even though they were just kids, basically. Big Long um, was uh, it's still rocking on. Like they, I think after the war, they left as refugees, um, like so many people did um, after 1975 or so, and um, they're in Texas now. But yeah, so if you look at my program, yeah, like she kind of recounts some of the experiences of that time, you know, and it was it was pretty wild. I think like you know they were having an amazing time playing. I think they had a really good career. But yeah, but even now, like they um, yeah still kind of rock on in and I think it's Texas now for their day. That was from their classic Tin Yu Twit Voi, or The Great Love, from the brilliant Saigon rock and soul Vietnamese classic tracks of 1968 to 1974. Coming up in part two of what happened to Vietnam's rock music scene, we learn what young passionate rockers of the 80s got up to. I didn't know the reason 
where the, the cassette tape came from. But at that time, I, I guess that it's left over from after the war or somebody, you know, in some way they secretly keep it at that time. And find out about the time Bob Dylan came to town. So we did put on Bob Dylan for 5,800 people. It was the single worst financial day of my life by a very, very long way. But we put on a great concert. People that were there, I think, loved it. That and more. So join me in part two to find out more about the evolution of rock music in Vietnam and the moment it reached its zenith with Vietnam's first ever international rock festival at the Saigon Zoo, only to come crashing down a few years later with the fall of Saigon in April 1975. And we meet one of the people who's been trying to pick up the pieces and rebuild the rock music scene in Saigon from virtually nothing for the past couple of decades. Thank you for listening. I'm Matt. Rock on. Land for air.